Welcome to FRT episode 89. This is Natalia Bailey from the IS, and I'm joining from my home right outside Washington, D.C. We're now nearing the one-year anniversary of living in a COVID world, and thankfully, we see little glimmers of hope with vaccine rollouts around the globe and better understanding on protocols that can be taken to mitigate the threat. However, COVID is still part of our reality, and businesses, big and small, continue to consider how they can ensure business continuity while taking into account the safety of their employees. Today's episode is an excellent example of the use of advanced analytics for good. We will be discussing today a success story of the use of advanced analytics to help protect employees during the COVID pandemic with our guests from Banco de Crédito del Perú. Banco de Crédito del Perú, or BCP, is the largest bank and the largest supplier of integrated financial services in Peru. I'm joined today by our guests, Juan Toabada, Diego Escobar, and Luisa Quispe from the Advanced Analytics Center of Expertise at Banco de Crédito del Perú. Juan leads the Advanced Analytics Center of Expertise. The center provides analytics to BCP and the rest of the businesses of Credit Court Group. Under his direction, the Center of Excellence has focused on generating value with consulting projects and initiatives that challenge the status quo of businesses with the use of advanced analytics and their mission to help create a data-driven organization. We're also joined today by Diego Escobar, a senior analytics translator and the person responsible for the project and its initial implementation in Trujillo, and Luisa Quispe, a senior data scientist who led the project's implementation in Lima and Arequipa. Juan, Diego, and Luisa, thank you for joining us and welcome to FRT. Hello, Natalia. Thank you for having us here. We are very excited about the, this opportunity to tell you about the initiative. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you. Um, so I've been following Peru's COVID cases because my family is actually in Peru. Well, part of my family is in Peru. Um, so I've been following closely how in January, Peru entered their second COVID wave. Um, and they went back into not, a, I guess, not a total lockdown, but a lockdown of the capital and a few other regions. Um, and the last time I checked numbers, Peru had more than 1.1 million cases um, and I think more than 44,000 deaths. Um, and the hospitals were pushing close to collapse. If not, some of them were already at capacity. Um, so it is a very, I guess, um, very dramatic numbers. Um, and there is this reality that continues to be in place for Peru when we think about COVID. Um, so I thought it was very interesting to see the, the post you did on LinkedIn about the use of advanced analytics to help your employees. Um, but maybe we should take a step back. And Juan, you can give us a brief introduction on what the center has been doing um, at BCP prior to, to COVID. Um, as well as how that has shifted and transitioned to new strategic projects during the COVID situation. Yes, of course. The Center of Expertise is a team of experts that try to solve real-world problems on the business space using data and analytics. And to do so, we are about 50 team members split into specialities or chapters if you use the other one. The first chapter is the data science chapter. We have about five data scientists and they have some deep technical skills like machine learning or perform predictive analytics or talk about 
prescripts an analytics investing a lot in learning from robust optimization. It's a, a specialty of uh, the traditional optimization. And it's very important for the case that we are talking about today. And the second role, or the second chapter that we have, is what we call the business translator. The people of this chapter are called analytics translators. And they have a very interesting mix between uh, conceptual uh, analytic uh, knowledge of algorithms and, and techniques and a, a strong problem solving skills. And their main task is to understand very well problems that they are facing and translate that problem into terms of analytics and design at a conceptual level as an analytical solution. And this analytical solution then will be uh, developed with data scientists. At the end, these two experts working together are able to unleash the value hidden in the data and actually solve the problem and, and create value for the organization. So how has the center transitioned from those more strategic projects that you had pre-COVID to to the new, well, not new, but you know, our COVID situation. As you say, the last year has been hit very hard with the second wave. It's been even worse. But we need to adapt, not just now, the team, all the bank, we have to adapt to new reality and change the focus to help the customers and our employees to face the situation. Besides, the government established a Strict down set for some essential services like banking. Banking is essential because the role in this particular case, banks are the mechanism the government used to deliver the social bonds, any economic aid for the most vulnerable, vulnerable people, the poor people in the world, which is seventy percent of the population. And most of them doesn't have bank accounts and are not financially due. So the payment should be physically in a branch. And it's a challenge because we have many queues in this situation and it's a very complicated, complicated problem. And with all this situation, we, we make a stop and put all our structural budgets on hold mainly because most of the models don't work anymore. The, the historical data of the past is not a good predictor of the future, even of the next week. Everything collapse and, and the world changes from one day to another. And we restructured the team to help the, the bank and the teams in the bank to make decisions under a, a high uncertainty, uncertainty scenario. And we, we support them in some fronts. One of, of these fronts was the, the care of the employees, meaning for the human resources team. And we did different analysis. For example, we predict uh, scenarios of the evolution of the pandemic for the next weeks or the next month. I'm mean scenarios because it's very complicated to predict the exact number of, of, the, of, the, of the infections, but with these predictions, we can determine, for example, uh, how many tests we need to purchase in order to test our population and try to control the, the disease inside the, the bank. Or we use a 
machine learning or analytical skills or commercial analytical skills that we normally use to predict the propensity of a customer to buy a, a product. This, this time we try to predict the propensity of a body to, to be sick or to be of a severe infection. And we did it with information that we collect daily through a web page that we, we set up. And we asked for information about the vital signs, for example, the heart rate, the oxygen saturation, temperature, how then they behave in the, in the normal life. For example, if they use delivery services to, to purchase goods or they prefer to go to a market, which is riskier. Or if they live with a policeman or with a doctor, it's physical and we live alone. And when, where they live, some districts have more incidence of the disease than others. And with all this information, we make a ranking of the, the propensity to, to be infected or the severity of the infection if you are infected. And we use the top of this ranking to help the doctors of the DCP and the human resources teams to prioritize the aid, the attention, and the testing. You know? And use the, the test with uh, more intelligence. And we, we were doing this kind of things from April to June. But at the end of the day, we, we saw that uh, the curve of cases, of new cases, continue to grow. And we uh, have to think about using the decision skills that we have in the team to reduce the time that people spend in public transport. What was the hypothesis? The hypothesis was the public transport is one of the main focus for the infection. And in Peru, the public transport is very crowded and people are commuting between one or two hours many more in some cases. So we offer help to the, the commercial team and, and the branches staff and explore the idea of using analytics to explore if there was any opportunity of reallocate the staff close to their homes and reduce significantly the time they spend in the public transport. At the same time, we need to minimize the impact because we need to satisfy the demand the demand has social bonds and the normal operation. You know, you touch on three things that um, I found really interesting. The first one is that I was thinking about how BCP has been using your advanced analytics unit to help curve the spread of the virus within your employees. And then I thought of Peru's initial response to the virus where they had implemented this policy of not going into this extreme lockdown measure. And I guess us looking at it from the U.S., thinking, oh, that works great. But they're not really taking into account all of these different variables that you mentioned, you know, the transportation, people having to go to the markets, all of these different things that people have to do because they're not in the same, I guess, financial position than maybe a developed country is. So that was just interesting to see that that was being considered by your analytics team when they were looking at relocating some of those employees. And then the second thing, and, and I guess it sort of uh, summarizes some of what you said, and I find particularly interesting because I've been covering machine learning at the IIS, uh, but how it's being used by banks and insurers, our members. So it is interesting that you mentioned 
how those models, they're not really good at predicting right now because everything has been sort of thrown up in the air with the historical data and the historical data not being really reflective of the now. So I find that interesting. And then the third thing to me, when I read your LinkedIn post, I actually thought this is this is really remarkable because typically I think businesses, banks, what they're doing is trying to maximize profits, right? So what, when you were using these, the advanced analytics use that you that you have for this project was really for the social good and not so much for the profit as an outcome or the accuracy of some type of credit risk model. I think this is really a remarkable example of how firms could be doing more to help their employees during COVID. Absolutely, and we continue to support the HR team. For example, now it's a very complicated situation with the hospital pressure and, and a, a lack of oxygen resources for the people. And we continue to try to predict the density of the second wave to set the number of oxygen concentrators that we need to buy. What is an oxygen concentrator? It's a machine that collect the oxygen that is in the air is used to help the people that has nowhere. And we are trying to buy some of these machines to help the people going sick and we can get a bed in a hospital for them in order to help them to avoid a worse situation. Because sometimes these machines using air can stop the disease. Now we are in a Going back to our structural purpose or helping the, the bank for business in quality, but we still continue to help HR and these teams to control the disease. So now that you've gone back to more of the structural work um, that the center was doing, and, and taking into account the number of people with no bank accounts in, in Peru, um, are there any new projects looking at, you know, financial inclusion of those uh, people? Yeah, we are starting the ESG journey. DCP, this program is called Connecta, and try to connect again with the society or stakeholders, etc. From the data analytics perspective, is too soon. We don't have now projects of inclusion, but we are working on developing some enablers that we need. Our data teams is working on collecting new sources of information uh, in order to, to get a better knowledge of understanding of the people who are not in the financial system. And this information, we can create new scorecard models and be able to, to give access to a loan to part of this population. As banks, we have some goals to collaborate with the financial inclusion. And besides, we have YAPE, YAPE is our payments app that is growing very fast. This year, we have 5 million people using YAPE, and we target to 10 million. And with YAPE, at the end of the of this first wave, we use YAPE to, to disburse the, the social bonds and avoid the, the queues on the street. No? So we use YAPE as a way to digitalize these uh, people who are not in the financial system. And, and it's very interesting but because this is like a toy when they can start to learn how to use some financial services. And in this interaction, we collect data and we understand how they behave. And we are closest to the point of 
can disrupt a loan to these uh, people. No? So I think we need to mature some things and some enablers are in place, but the North Star is to, to go there. I think those are fascinating to, to learn more about. Um, and perhaps we can have you back on FRT once those projects are alive and up and running. So perhaps we can talk a little bit more about what was done once the initiative was given the green light. Diego, perhaps you could walk us through how you got the project up and running. Sure, Natalia. To get started, I would like to give a little bit more of context because the team was like of six people uh, between data engineers, data scientists, and analytics translators. And two of them were assigned to this specific initiative, uh, including myself, right? And after that, the, the main issue was to set up not, uh, not just the technical team, which was made of ourselves, but uh, start to coordinating with uh, the VP of planning, the VP of retail channels, and of human resources, and gather a full team of um, cross-functional team of between six or eight people who were fully focused on, on deploying this initiative. I mean, we, we had the, an, an agile focus, uh, the, the standard procedure of planning reviews and so on. And then we started to gather into that the data, which was definitely one of the most interesting and challenging issues of, of this whole experience. Thanks, Diego. So data quality is typically an issue that we've heard from several firms that they run into whenever they develop any type of model, specifically when they use more advanced models like AI or ML. But in this case, the accuracy of the data and the data quality was even probably more important so that you can reach the success of your project. So maybe walk us through some of those challenges that you encountered um, and what was done to mitigate those issues. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, uh, in this case, if you have one incorrect address, you may be sending someone from one point to another point, uh, enormous, uh, which implies an enormous distance. And of course, you end up, uh, uh, I don't know, having a negative effect on that, on that person. So data quality was extremely important for us. You know, we had to gather addresses of over 4,000 employees from all pretty much all over the country. Uh, many, and another important fact was that many of those people had moved because of the COVID. I mean, the addresses that uh, you can see on our um, BCP systems were like wrong addresses because they were no, lo no longer living there due to the pandemic, you know? And therefore we had to develop some service, you know, service to, to gather these addresses. And these services were useful Know, not only to collect addresses, but also for mapping if our employees had uh, comorbidities, if they were living with high, uh, people with high-risk uh, diseases, uh, and so on. So th that was the main, uh, the main, you know, the main initiative. And even though it seems like straightforward, okay, you just send a survey, they answer, and yeah, everything's done. No, these people had a lot of uh, of things in their mind. You know, a lot of worry. Uh, they have to, not only to <laughs> to survive, but also to keep on working, to look for their families. And of course, the response rate of the service was not uh, immediately 100%, you know, we had to do uh, a lot of 
follow up, ask for the team leaders of, of channels to reinforce their employees to, to, to answer correctly this, this service so as to make the best job we, we could. And even after that, <laughs> we had a lot of incorrect, well, well, not a lot, but some incorrect addresses. Uh, when we took uh, examples of these addresses and tried to geolocate them on the Google APIs, uh, we noticed that some of these people supposedly lived on the sea, literally, and in the Pacific Ocean. So that was definitely because the address was or, or wrong or I mean, in, in, a, in a wrong format, and we had to manually correct those, those issues. And it was uh, a very hard work for us. And not only uh, like manual mistakes, but uh, in other cases, we had to take our uh, our skills to a whole new level because, uh, for example, uh, uh, we found a couple of uh, not a couple but many employees uh, in which we 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 saw that the distances I, I mean from their, their homes to the closest branch was like ten minutes uh, ten minute working distance. And we uh, we said like okay, this is a, a great opportunity to to help these people. However. When we checked the map and when we uh, talked with uh, people who were in the field, you know, uh, people from the branches, they they said, "Okay, you're right, but in order to do that, you must cross literally a mountain. There is no highway to take you from one point to another." So we had to correct that. With uh, oh, Lisa, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but with penalties, uh, with manual corrections in the model, and, and so on. Later on, we even had to use like a distance pretty much uh, using an API in which we could simulate how much it would take for one person to travel from one point to another, not by walking, but how would it be if they were driving a car? And that was definitely much more accurate and easy to scale. But the initial approach was not in that way. So yeah, in, to conclude, data, data gathering in these type of projects is was definitely one of the most challenging ones I have ever faced in my seven years in, in advanced analytics. It's very interesting, and it's also really, probably really um, high stakes given the, the nature of the project. Um, Luisa, I understand you work on the development of a model in collaboration with Dimitris and MIT. Um, how was the model developed? Could you give us a little bit more information on, on what that collaboration entails as well? Yes, sure. Well, it was uh, another data scientist from the team and myself, and also with the help of the analytics translators that we finally developed this this model, right? Uh, Elisa Bobadilla was the main uh, data scientist that was involved in this process. Uh, we actually started from something simpler, uh, using first Excel and trying to understand uh, some restrictions and how they worked in, in a simple environment that was easy to 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 set right but however when we started to notice that there were more relationships that were actually restrictions to be and they needed to, to be taken into account in the model we started seeing that it was needed a bit more than that just sets right we started noticing that there were more than a more than we had more than 150 branches and we also had more than uh, 1,100 uh, employees from a certain role. So it was more than uh, 
160k variables, decision variables. So this is where we started to seek for the help and the advisor itself of Professor Bertsinas, which is like uh, a leader in, in, in his field, which is optimization, right? operations research. And he kind of helped us uh, guide us through the process of how to implement it in the better way. So it runs in an appropriate time following the restrictions that the business was giving us. And that's the, the, the thing that we, we've been doing with him, not only for this project, but also for a, a couple of another ones that he gives us some advice on what to do, how to implement something else that may be hard if we're doing it by ourselves, right? The project itself went like from simple in Excel to um, the more complex model uh, it in Julia, that's where it finally was built um, because of the extension of the variables we had to take into account with that. It finally ended up with a linear integral model, right? Uh, which has which had sort, sort, a lot of restrictions in, in itself. If you allow me to, uh, elaborate a bit more in those restrictions. Some of them were, for example, like the capacity of attention uh, for each branch and each role, right? For example, if you want to go to a branch and get a credit card, someone has to, to take your uh, your data and start the whole process, right? So that was kind of on one role. For uh, another role we took into account was if you want to deposit, make a deposit or make a withdrawal, of uh, amount of money a bit large, you have to go to a teller. So you have to have enough tellers to cover the demand of that song in each branch. So we didn't only have to move the people accordingly to where they live, but also trying to satisfy the demand of the public, right? And was just, so it was a bit difficult in that kind of point. And also something we wanted to do um, that ended up being like a penalization was to uh, not to, if someone was already close enough, right? Uh, we were trying not to take him a bit farther than he already was. That was something we wanted to do. We do it like, a, we penalize it. It wasn't a restriction itself. Uh, so we kind of try to move people only if necessarily. However, our final objective function was like the total good, right? It was like we had to sum up all the distances from the peoples to their branches, right? And in, but in total. So what we ended up was reducing the total distance that the people traveled when they, when they started this going to their works, right? This has a good point that is like the, the distances of most uh, of our, of the people lower. However, there were some people that also somehow were negatively affected because they have to travel, let's say instead of 15 minutes, 25 minutes, the branch finally was a little far, but it was for the total social uh, common good, right? For the total good. So it was like uh, the first experiment of this kind we made. So if I understand correctly, 
you ended up using a linear integral model that had several restrictions and penalizations. And the project was eventually deployed in Trujillo, Lima, and Arequipa, which are, for those listening, three regions in Peru. Um, how were those regions chosen? Um, and once you started implementing it, what were the main challenges that you encountered? Yeah, I may complement the first the first question. I mean, uh, these regions were chosen pretty much manually because first they were uh, some of the largest regions in our country. We have like for 24 states, and Trujillo and Marquis are the largest. And uh, the second one was because the BP of retail channels knew that there were, you know, people who could manage these type of situations on these uh, on these places you know so those those were the main reasons for which we chose um, these these locations moreover uh, it, it was not only like okay you choose the location you do the model and that's it in this particular type of projects we had to do a lot a lot a lot of cross checks with regional managers and we were given con continuous feedback and iterations i mean like we have our first MVP, as, as Lisa said, and then we check that MVP and the results with our regional manager. He gave us feedback, hey, this this can be done because you are going to negatively affect a lot of people, and uh, even though there's a lot of common good, this may be contra-beneficial for, for, for the bank. So we had to update the parameters of the model, the penalties, the restrictions. Uh, it was a continuous positive loop uh, I consider until we had the final the, the final decision and output and of course after that there appeared some new type of, of challenges I mean mainly logistic challenges of which Luisa can tell you a little bit more yes and the process was what uh, Diego mentioned and first we started uh, trying out different parameters in all the model we have constructed. It was not just one time and that was it, no. We have to try several cuts to see uh, which which one was better. Once we had that, we had already like the recommendations on where to send each one. But there were some like uh, exceptions, right? Let's say someone because due to health, a health issue, a health issue couldn't move that far because uh, the, the issue prevent him to do it, right? So we had to talk also those into account. Once we have that uh, cleaned, we then had to start uh, taking COVID tests, right? Like, because we don't want that uh, to increase the rate of infections because of the movement that we're doing, right? So we had to uh, first take this COVID test and once they were done and they were okay, right? They, they were negative then we could start doing the movements of the people. So it was kind of an issue because if one positive appeared, okay, we have to, this, this ranch, we don't, we, we cannot move it yet. We have to wait a bit more uh, and see how, how it affects the other one. The thing is that it was like a domino effect. If we don't move people in branch A, people that were going to branch A, cannot move either. So we have to take into account also those effects. So it was kind of a challenge we had to we have to, to, to encounter. Happily, in the real case, we didn't find much positive cases. Most of them were negatives. So uh, 
it could be done a bit more smoothly than we expected. Thank you, Luisa. So now that the model has been implemented, is there any considerations of using this model in different ways? Yes, I think that uh, we learned a lot in general. We learned that the data, as Diego mentioned, was really important. Having the correct uh, coordinates of where the people lived was really, really important. We also know that uh, the model has to take into account this uh, business uh, implications and all the logistics themselves, not only during the construction, but also in, by implementing them. Um, so for being a first uh, exercise of this kind, we think it went uh, good. It could have been better. We still have learned lessons. Uh, and actually, uh, the BP of the channels, right, orbital channels, it kind of like this, uh, this exercise we made. It was due to COVID, yes, but uh, we are aiming to make it like uh, more uh, frequent. Uh, why? Because it has potential. It can be it can be used in retaining uh, workers, right? Uh, and avoiding shorting in this in this in this phase. It also increases the satisfaction of the workers, right? By by putting them uh, in, in a shorter distance from their homes. So we are planning to uh, implement this in a larger scale, not just for COVID, but for these other purposes. And also taking into in, in account these lessons we learned during this first implementation. So it's that's what we are aiming right now. We are very proud of this. It's a way of using all your expertise and your knowledge to help your country and your people, no? and the people that are uh, closest to you. And it's just one case, you know, as Juan mentioned, uh, we we had a war room which developed not only one, but I mean like four or five or more uh, use cases. Of course, this one was the most impactful because it, has a, it had a very direct impact on employees, but we also helped like uh, the bank to take better decisions, which indirectly benefited the, the, the contrast of all, you know. So I think that definitely AI, machine learning, data science, uh, tech, technology actually uh, has a direct and very positive impact in businesses and consequentially in our, our block group. You know, uh, I feel the same as you in that point. When we talk about the types of, of algorithms that were used for the model, I know it started with Excel and ended up with a linear um, model, but was there any use of machine learning or AI in between? And just wanted to clarify that this was more like a optimization model more than machine learning let's say it's more like in the prescriptive analytics part more than in the predictive one so yes it wasn't machine learning itself but it was like a part of analytics that uses optimization i'd like to complement the answer with lisa because there is uh, i mean i think even in my case i think there's a lot of confusion between data science AI, artificial intelligence machine learning i mean what is the difference between these concepts and a new one now optimization what what are we talking about uh i think uh yeah it's, it's confusing but at the end it's like just using algorithms and mathematics to help the world to be a better place uh, i see that way and, and it helps me but yeah it's a conceptual uh misunderstanding that a lot, a lot of us, including myself, sometimes uh, have. I'm curious if you're also working in any of the projects on financial inclusion. 
in my case, I'm working on a project which will have an indirect and very positive impact on financial inclusion. It's like developing uh, uh, not a new product, but a product that has not been uh, commonly used. It's factoring uh, and focusing it on small and middle medium enterprises in our country. You know, when we have, uh, uh, for example, a small business, very small business, who provides Wong. You know what I mean? Wong, the, this huge retailer of I don't know potatoes. They like sell the the, the market. And Wong says, okay, I'm going to pay you in 90 days. Okay, fine, but I'm a small business. And if you pay me in 90 days, I will uh, go into bankruptcy because of, because of liquidity risk, you know. And then the bank enters in this midpoint, intermediates, you know, and they offer you to give you the money in advance with a small discount, which is the, the benefit for the bank. And in exchange, the bank will take in charge and collect the money from this big retailer Wong. So that is going to be definitely a positive project for both the bank and, of course, for our PMEs, if you know what I mean, our small and medium enterprises. And yes, I think that it is more common now, ever and ever, for the bank to look for this type of projects, having a positive impact in sustainability and promoted this ESG in financial inclusion. To sum up, yes, I think this is going to be uh, ever more common in, in the bank and hopefully in advanced analytics. Thank you, Juan, Diego, and Lisa for joining us today on SRT. Our listeners really appreciate this good story about the use of advanced analytics to help employees during the pandemic. And if I may summarize some of the main findings of this episode, I think that the key one is how the existing resources within your team were channeled to help employees, to help reduce the spread of COVID. And then the second most important thing that I got was the importance of data quality and data accuracy, even more so now with this type of model than with the typical models that you had. The third one that I'll point out is the ability to use the model for your running business post-COVID, to be able to reuse these to diminish employee dissatisfaction, retain employees, and avoid employee turnover. Finally, I find particularly interesting the projects that Juan and Diego mentioned on financial inclusion, and I'm really looking forward to learning more about them once they can go live. Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate having you on the episode. Thank you. Yeah, Natalia, thank you for the invitation. Thanks a lot, Natalia, for, for your time and for this opportunity to talk a little bit more about what we did during the COVID. I am happy to share my knowledge with everyone I can. Ahead on FRT, a few things I want to highlight. We'll talk cloud and machine learning with the EBA's Pierce Haven. And we'll also have an episode on anti-money laundering and financial crime with Adrian De La of Unicredit. Stay safe and join us again for those upcoming episodes. I'm Natalia Bailey. Thanks for joining us on FRT.